This is the EdTech Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. sitting there with a pen and paper. Virtual reality is an interesting medium where students can access a wide range of content. Welcome to Market Scale Education Technology. I'm your host, Sean Heath. You know, my grandfather always used to say the learning that you get while you're in school is really just the base that allows you to learn for every day of the rest of your life. I always thought he was pretty smart for saying that. Well, somebody else who's really smart and I'm really honored to have a chance to talk to is my guest on the podcast today. It is, of course, Travis Rink, and he is the training manager for Boxlight. Travis, how are you today? I'm very well, Sean. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, you've been uh, really dedicated to education. Um, I'm going to guess it's because you think that's kind of important. I do. I think uh, being in the education profession is probably one of the most, if not the noblest professions I think a person could uh, get involved with. I mean, the impact that you have on young people's lives, uh, it just, it's amazing to me every single day that we get to interact with, uh, whether they're teachers or students or whoever in the education community. You're in probably like, I guess your second decade maybe as an educator? Yes, I am uh, just into, I, I think I think I've counted up the other day, 23, 24 years, I believe, 24 years uh, in some capacity in the education space. There's two things I'd like to cover just briefly today as part of the overall theme. And one is new information is being constantly discovered. And you've been a high school science teacher for uh, part of the 20 years. So not only are you having to teach information, you're having to learn the new information so that you can teach it. So in essence, this has been a really long graduate program that you've been in. I think any educator would tell you it's a constant learning process. Uh, you never stop learning. If you do, then you're probably not in the right profession. So uh, staying up on the new trends, you know, the new ways of you know trying to impact kids, trying you know different teaching methodologies, all those are part of that constant learning. How has teaching and specifically education technology and the approach to the technology and, and maybe the base mission, how have those factors changed in your years? Well, I think they've, uh, they've become uh, more user-centered, I think, is, what, is how I'll say that. I think they've just become a lot easier to access from a, uh, from a cost standpoint, from a, a sustainability standpoint. It's become, I think, a lot easier uh, and very and very STEM-driven, I might add, also, uh, to get kids prepared for what's coming their way uh, and getting those critical thinking skills employed, uh, getting those problem-solving skills, all those other soft skills as far as people skills, being able to work with others, teamwork, all those things are wrapped into it. And I think all those things have constantly and continually uh, evolved. It does seem that the approach to education has started to migrate, and I don't know exactly when it started, but it feels as if it has started to realize the importance of, as you mentioned, the soft skills, and it has become a little less, well, in, in states and school districts that don't teach to the test. It has become clear that dates for the American Revolution and the invention of the toaster, those are important, but learning how to work together in a group, learning how to troubleshoot, learning how to problem solve, those skills are skills that students from even a ge just the previous generation 
they didn't get that attention. And that seemed to be like a knowledge that they had to pick up on their own once they were out of the educational system. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, even when, when, when I was in school, I mean, I remember, remember um, having to memorize the periodic table. And, and I kind of look back that as, as I taught high school chemistry and things like that. Um, you know, my first year or so of teaching, I kind of modeled those same behaviors. And then I realized, hey, this is, this, is not, uh, this is not the scope of what we want. And that's when I've had to kind of, you know, redo a paradigm shift, I suppose, and, and try to move the, the bar as far as what to expect for students. And I think it does come down to that. I mean, those, those isolated facts, uh, they have their place. But I think we definitely uh, need to push students, uh, push you know, kids today in those capacities to being able to pull all of these things together holistically, uh, see how it all fits together, then use their use their brains, those God-given talents uh, to put it all together to make sense of it all and, and you know, problem solve all that critical thinking, all those different things that they're going to have to have to be successful uh, once they're out of uh, a traditional school. I have to take just a conversational off-ramp for a moment. As technology changes in our day-to-day lives, it obviously becomes part of our educational process, and all of the different types of electronics that we have that aid in teaching and learning, one thing that I think is going to disappear is the ability to write in cursive. Yeah, and I, I don't think you're too far off base from that. Um, and I've seen I'm in a lot of different educational communities and, and blogs and things like that. And there's definitely a discussion of of that being in the past, but there's also a discussion of, you know, some people that want to hold on to the past to kind of bring that back to, to be able to do things. I don't know where I stand uh, on that, but I, I kind of agree with you a little bit. Uh, I, I think that will become a lost art uh, in the scheme of things. And I think you just you just nailed it. That's the exact term. It is an art. Um, when I think about the loss of cursive as a common skill that every adult would have, I just reflect on the Flintstones. Uh, nobody carves in, you know, stone tablets anymore when they want That's to send right. somebody a note. So it's just, I think it's just an improvement in technology or in the way or the format in which we communicate. Now, as this format changes, how have you felt that the change in delivery of information affects the type of information that you can give? Well, I think, uh, I think a lot of that just depends on the, 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 the curricular area. Uh, obviously, being in science, I can speak to that pretty well. You, you try to model uh, as well as you can, the different aspects that, that students are going to be going off to college or post-secondary type of careers uh, in, in utilizing. So I think there's so many different modalities of, of how to collect information, how to, how to share that information. Um, I think there's, it just continues to evolve and, you know, trying to give students, there's always going to be technology that uh, our students have exposure to in school that they're never going to, uh, it's not even invented yet. So, and that's the whole idea of STEM. I mean, we're training kids uh, for jobs that haven't even been created yet. And that's why I think there's been, there's a gigantic push for all those different type of STEM uh, related careers to get them prepared for adapting to all those and how to problem solve, how to, how to be able to manipulate and utilize whatever they're going to be doing to their benefit. I do look forward to the day when STEM is considered the norm and it's just part of education. How do you approach different ages when you start to incorporate STEM as part of their curriculum? Well, I think you have to. Uh, I think you have to make that a just an integrated, natural part. I know uh, when I work with different teachers, uh, you know, training them on new technologies or whatever it might be for the classroom. 
you know, if I present it, uh, and I'll use this model for the same thing as, as how you would model it for students, if I would, you know, present everything that's possible in, in, in something that, uh, that I'm training on, it gets overwhelming pretty quickly. Uh, even when I'm training teachers uh, to do different things, uh, they have to be able to see the real-life impact. What can I take away from this now? Uh, and if they, if they don't see that, if, it's, if they don't see uh, the different components as individual ways of, of just enhancing what they are already doing, then it becomes an extra burden. It becomes an extra something that they have to do in the education world. And, and uh, teachers will, will tell you that you know, they're, they're loaded with things all the time, requirements to do and all these different things. And if you load one more thing up on the pallet, uh, it's just it's not going to stick. It's not going to have the buy-in. So I think finding those little 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 nuggets to start uh, with, and the same that goes with students, and build upon that, and and all those different pieces. And we all learn in that way. Also, we all learn by chunks, and and all those kind of get put together, integrated. And I think that's really the whole idea of STEM. Being a a, a science background teacher, uh, STEM has always made sense to me. And it, it, it I sometimes have to take a step back when I'm working with other subject areas. And, and, and realize that it may not be as, uh, as, uh, as inclusive or as easy to understand uh, for other areas. But to me, it, 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 it has always made sense. It just, you, you wrap it all together. Uh, you, try to, you try to get as many hands-on activities and, and engaging activities to get kids uh, in the process of learning. Uh, the old worksheet days and just sitting in your chairs, those, you know, those work for some, but research obviously shows that uh, that is not uh, the, one of the best ways to, to learn and, and to, to engage kids. And that is a good point because there are a lot of different learning protocols. Are you a tactile learner? Are you experiential? Are you uh, a literary learner? There, there are a lot of different ways to absorb uh, information and experiences. But it seems that in some fields, especially, for example, robotics, a hands-on environment really works best across the board. I agree. In fact, I might mention uh, Boxlight is coming out with a Mimeo MyBot solution. And uh, we've just debuted it at uh, the... Uh, ISTE conference, which was just a couple weeks ago up in Philadelphia, and it is, uh, and I'm, I'm a little bit biased here, um, but you know I'm not a sales guy. I'm a teacher at heart. Uh, uh, I, I still do that, uh, really, uh, in my life, in addition to what I'm doing with Boxlight. But uh, this this Memio MyBot solution is a fantastic system that it's going to, I think, revolutionize uh, really what kids can do. Uh, what makes it so cool, I think is that it's, it's easy for the teacher to use. Most of these other robot uh, systems that are out there, you know, of course, they're all stimulated. That's the whole nature of the beast. But they're so, they're, they're so uh, focused on being a toy or a game. And, and this, this system is not that. It's, it's very much designed to fit an engineering and robotics application. Uh, it allows them to, you know, you can really differentiate as a teacher how you're going to use this at any level uh, of the curriculum. What's great about this whole product that I've uh, started to uh, look at and discover, as I've shared it with people, is that it, it's 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 you take it out of the box, you're ready to go. There's no there's no wires, there's no network you have to worry about. It's ready to go. It's prepackaged with so many different things, it, 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 and it's all designed to get kids to think. And I've had a chance to play around with it quite a bit, just putting my teacher hat on my and my student hat on, uh, and just to be able to you know explore and, and think through things and how am I going to write a, a program and not having any coding uh, background whatsoever. But it's it's easy to do because it, it just it's very intuitive and that's I think that's a lot of these different tools that are out there uh, especially in science but of course something like this would work with computer programming engineering courses project lead the way courses which we have in a district that I work in uh, also 
Uh, there's so many possibilities. It's, 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 it's amazing what we can do to get kids excited. I think one of the key elements that is probably going to get overlooked with regards to this MyBot approach is the fact that you are bringing the knowledge with as little complication as you can. That's right. I think that goes back to what I said a little bit earlier. You have to be able to build on pieces you've already laid down as a foundation. And uh, it, this is one of those items that definitely does that. Um, and it really limits. I mean, a, a teacher doesn't even have to have the programming knowledge. I mean, there's there are things built into the system, uh, little training packets uh, that are built in. And, and really, you learn right along with the kids in, in some respects. And, and that's okay, too. And I, I know a lot of teachers, uh, and I've taught for a lot of years, a lot of teachers, especially older ones, have a have a hard time not being that sage on the stage, being the protector of all the information and and knowing everything. Uh, and I think that's a paradigm shift that has to change. Also, if we are going to continue uh, to push that needle of, of preparing students for the real challenges ahead, uh, you look at all these. Uh, problems that have been developed. I've been currently watching a, uh, a, a, a episodes, I guess, on um, National Geographic about the Apollo missions, and you bet that there were some problem solving going on with all the, some of the issues that they had. And that's, I think, that's the scope of what we're really trying to get kids to do is to get them to think beyond uh, their seat, beyond the walls of their classroom, uh, holistically thinking about how it all fits together and really to solve a problem. If we can get kids to solve problems, they can master just about anything in life. Are we getting to the point where we're past the initial apprehension or stigma that normally is associated with robotics? You know, I think, uh, and I've seen robotics uh, become more on the forefront the last few years, especially this year at ISTE. There were a lot more companies displaying their robots and things like that, but a lot of them were just kind of toys. We're a lot of them, you know, I kind of walked around. I was there with the teacher team. Uh, we did some presentations, and, and a lot of them we looked at, we, we kind of questioned, well, how would I use that in the classroom? Um, I can drive this with a little RC controller around a course, but how does that help me? And I think that's where the, uh, the Mimeo MyBot solution is, is a great head above everything else, is that I can really get to the nuts and bolts of, of programming it uh, and deciding what I want it to do and, and you know add into all these different sensors if I want to do that and get as complex as I want, but I can stay as, as basic as I want as I engage kids. So I, I think all those things continually just evolve and, and you, you adapt to what there is. Now, as these evolutions happen, it starts to present a myriad of exciting opportunities for STEM classrooms. Tell me about your optimism as you look forward to how these improvements in STEM are going to be able to multiply exponentially the benefits that even current generations will be able to start to take from this space. And I think part of that revolves around that you don't have to live in a complex world uh, when you use these different technologies. They're very intuitive that you can spend, you know, in the past, you know, I used to use all different other types of probeware uh, to collect data in the classroom and things like that. It would take you, you know, I'd have to, you know, set up all my lab stations for students to come in and get everything plugged in and make sure it's all working right. And you'd spend more time setting up uh, and, and doing other things than it would be for the important part, which is analyzing the data and, and looking at trends and things like that. So I think these tools are going to streamline some of that uh, for sure to make it uh, easier to set up, uh, easier to collect data, and then it allows you more of the time to, to, to use your 
your, your brain uh, to analyze data, see trends, and really start to, to question what's it all mean and, and put it all together in that capacity. So I think uh, all these all these trends, I think it's going to make that even easier. And we've seen that uh, that change in technology uh, increase exponentially in lots of things, from the Human Genome Project to uh, research on AIDS, all these different things. All that information has, has increased drastically in the last many years simply because the tools are better. Do you have a favorite movie or TV depiction of a robot? Uh, I think the movie was called, and this goes back to probably the 80s, Short Circuit, I think is what it was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, they had the intelligence. It could do some things. Obviously, it was all Hollywood. But, uh, but uh, you know, I think there's a lot of things that go back to Hollywood that uh, you can kind of relate to. You know, sometimes they actually get it right. Well, <laughs> you'd be surprised. And what's really interesting is this next generation of students, as they go out into the world and some of them move into the creative fields, I think we will actually see more informed and intellectual interpretations and presentations of robots or robotic systems. I think you may be revolutionizing Hollywood. Well, we could, and it, it'd, it'd be interesting to see as the robot industry continues to evolve uh, what that looks like. And I think you're right. I think we're on the cusp of really, I mean, there's a lot of exciting things going on, but I think it is just the tip of the iceberg of what is possible. And uh, I think what you see out there uh, available for uh, education today uh, is going to look drastically different in just a couple of years, I think. So, I mean, things will continually become uh, easier to use. It'll become cheaper to use. And I think that's a driving force in education. You want to make sure that you have the value for your money. Um, and for what kids are getting out of it. And I think you want to make it realistic also. You want to have realistic applications that, are, that aren't just all gamified and things like that. And I think that's where, you know, the, this, the, uh, this MyBot is kind of right in, in that nook is that at, uh, all those engineering applications, I've done engineering, uh, high school robotics engineering uh, before, and, and I think this fits right into those types of skills and problem sets that kids had to, um, had to manipulate. Today it has been my pleasure to have a conversation with Travis Rink, training manager for Boxlight. Travis, thank you so much. This was really cool. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you.